Welcome to church. Today, Pastor Bev is continuing our life-changing series, Dreams to Destiny, where he'll be talking about God's purpose and plan and asking, what's the point? If you're new here, we'd love to connect. You can message us on Facebook, Instagram, or by simply texting hello to 587-323-1199, and we'll respond right back. I'm so glad you could join us today. Thank you for joining us here in person and online. I'm Pastor Bev Sessink. Uh, we're glad to have you with us, especially those of you who are first-time guests. We would love to connect with you perhaps after the service or if you're online, you can uh, text us or uh, some other way just to get to know those of you who are experiencing Calvary perhaps for the very first time. Uh, today we conclude our series, Dreams to Destiny, uh, based on the life of Joseph found in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. Um, briefly recapping the story, Joseph has this uh, miraculous dream, a very unusual dream, and in the process, uh, his brothers in particular are not too impressed with Joseph, and they determine that they're going to remove him from the scene. And as it turns out, God even uses that circumstance to do a powerful work in and through the life of Joseph, in spite of the intentions of his brother. Uh, now, it's, we may not exactly have the same kind of experience that Joseph has this uh, very significant dream, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't have a dream for each of us. I believe that God has a purpose, a plan, a destiny that he wants to fulfill in us and through us as well, because it's not just about us, but it certainly includes us impacting others as well. And so this morning, I would ask you to join with me in the focus of this morning's sermon. And it is, and if you want to change the, uh, the uh, it is God has a purpose for my life. And I'd like you to say that with me right now. God has a purpose for my life. And hopefully by the end of this sermon, if you haven't believed that before, you will start to embrace that truth. Uh, during this sermon series, Destiny, or Dream to Destiny, we've used the word destiny to mean something about a specific plan, a specific purpose that God has in mind for each and every one of us. God has equipped us with specific spiritual gifts, heart for serving, abilities, personality, and an experience, and to put them all together to make us who we are, unique individuals. And over the past nine weeks, we've talked about how God uses various tests in the life of Joseph, just as he uses it in our life, to develop our character so that we can fulfill the destiny that he intends for us. Now this week, we are on the last test, which is called the purpose test. And so the purpose test is about discovering what is God's purpose for my life? What is his intention to accomplish in and through me? Now, referring to last week's message, you may remember that uh, Jacob, the father of Joseph, has passed away, and his brothers 
are a little bit concerned, like what's going to happen considering what they've done to Joseph in the past. And so it says in Genesis 50, verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And so Joseph, at that point, I think, put it all together and realized he had a specific calling. Yes, it was to be in the Pharaoh's court and to have significant influence over the people of Israel and the people of Egypt as well. And so on that day, I think the picture came together for Joseph. God had so much he intended to do, not just for Joseph, but also in and through him as well. Now, that being said, how can we know and how can we discover our destiny, our purpose, God's plans for us? And firstly, I believe that you have to have a belief that you have a purpose. Yes, we need to realize that God intends to work in and through us as we allow him to change us, to develop us, to grow us. And so the question that everyone has deep down in their hearts is, what is my purpose? I think of a little business card I carry with me. It's entitled, I am second. And the byline is, what is your purpose in life? And I find when I give people that card, they're not slow to grab it because so many people don't actually know what their purpose in life is. And God wants to reveal that to us. Now, please understand that God is a purposeful God. Everything he has created is done with purpose. And in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, it says, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And as we take a look at God's creation, what he has made, he has made everything with a purpose, whether it is the trees, whether it is the animals, literally everything. And most importantly, God has made you and I with purpose, with a plan in mind. And the best way for us to discover what that purpose, what that plan is, is to invite him to reveal that to us. Because God has designed each one of us with a specific purpose in mind. And so then it is our opportunity to discover that, to invite him to show us that. In Genesis 5 verse 1, it says, When God created human beings, he made them to be like himself. I find that's amazing, that God wants to make us like him. When I think of God, I think of beauty. I think of the lovely characteristics of God, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and so much more. Is that not a purpose worthy of our lives, to become like him, the one who loves us more than any other? And then I think of Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, and of Mary was chosen by God to be the mother of Jesus. Now, she was born in an obscure village. She wasn't well-known or famous or anything. And yet God used this woman, a teenager, to become the woman who would, whose womb would have the Savior be born. She wasn't anyone special, so to speak, and yet God used her for a very special purpose. We could also think of the Apostle Peter. In John chapter 1 and verse 42, he was chosen by God to be the first disciple of Jesus. And if you know a little bit of the story of Peter, he was pretty rough around the edges. He was not afraid to say what he thought, putting his uh, mouth 
in uh, gear before his, or putting his mouth in motion before his mind in gear. And yet God used this fisherman to accomplish significant things in the kingdom of God. And I believe that God for each one of us has a purpose and a plan. We may not think of ourselves as special, but actually God thinks each one of us is special to him. And he does indeed have a special, unique purpose that he wants to accomplish in each and every one of us, whether we believe it or not. And so I'd like for you to say with me again these words, God has a purpose for my life. I hope you're beginning to see that, that that is the case. And secondly, we need to understand that God is in control. We need to understand for God to fulfill his purposes in us, we're going through a number of experiences, difficulties, setbacks that God will use. Not that he makes them happen, but he uses them to accomplish a transformation in our character to make us more like him. In Genesis 45, verse 5, Joseph said this to his brothers, Now don't be upset and don't get angry with yourselves that you sold me here. Actually, God sent me before you to save lives. And isn't that a great attitude? When you think of Joseph, who at age 17 was sold to be a slave for the rest of his life, his brothers wanted to get rid of him. And then when he was a slave, then he was wrongly accused and thrown into prison. It's amazing that he could have that attitude, but he knew in his heart that God had a purpose that somehow he was going to fulfill, though he didn't understand how that would happen. And I believe that no one can derail you from your destiny but yourself. If someone has said something about you or did something to you or caused some sort of offense, we all have a choice to make. Do not believe the lie that you're not going to be able to fulfill your purpose because of what someone else did to you. In Romans 8 verse 28 it says, And we know that in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And if I may say, I'm a point, a case in point. As many of you may know, I was raised in a dysfunctional, abusive, and even sometimes home environment. My name is Bev because my dad wanted a girl. Quite a way to start your life. And so I endured many years of a less than stellar upbringing. I was even told that I should have probably become an addict because of all the things that I experienced in my growing up years. And yet, here I am many years later, doing things that people thought I could never do because of what had happened to me. Yes, God accomplishes the impossible even in the midst of our challenges. And so God is working his purpose in me, but not just in me, but in each of us, because I would suspect a number of us have experienced things that have been very hard, been very difficult, have been traumatic, have been very hurtful. And yet God can use those very things to develop in us the kind of character we need to have to fulfill his destiny for us. The good news is that God indeed has a purpose for your life and he is willing to accomplish it if you're willing to allow him to work through the situations that you have experienced, the situations you presently are experiencing, and the situations you will experience because he indeed is in control. And the good news is, if you fail the test 
and we all have failed the test or tests at different points, God is willing to take us through the test again and to bring us back into the place where we can fulfill the destiny he has for us. And so I would like you again to say with me, God has a purpose for my life. I hope you're starting to believe that if you haven't yet. And if you're going to fulfill the destiny that God has for your life, then you're going to have to discover your purpose and direction through perhaps a resource called shape. Your shape, what's that? I'll tell you in a minute. But before that, from Romans chapter 12 and verse 4, the message paraphrase says this, We are all like various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us find our meaning and function as part of the body. Yes, God has a purpose for your life. And the point is, it's found in the context of the church because it's not just about us. It's about all of us together and what God can do in and through us. So whatever I'm going to be saying today and have said already, God intends for you to function in the context of the church, but also in the context of society. Because as we see the story of Joseph, what God did in him benefited the people of Israel, but also the people of Egypt as well. So God is not just thinking about the church alone. He's also thinking about the society of which we are a part, of which he wants us to influence for good. Now, getting back to shape, your purpose in life, your destiny, is determined by five key components. Five key components, which, if you understand how they fit together, brings a picture from black and white to color. It brings sense to sometimes what seems to be senseless. And also the reverse is true. When we don't understand our shape, we could find ourselves doing things that really are not a fit for us, uh, not necessarily being tremendously helpful for others. So I think it's very important for us to discover what our shape is and how these factors take place in our lives, impact us, and impact others as well. And so spiritual gifts. The Bible clearly teaches that God gives every Christian spiritual gifts for the benefit of serving others. Such things as teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and so on. Many of these gifts. And these spiritual gifts are only part of the picture. Sometimes there's been an emphasis on spiritual gifts, but not realizing that there's more to the picture that God is doing in each of our lives. Because we have natural abilities, we have a heart for service, we have experiences that have impacted our lives. And the heart. The heart is a term used to represent the center of our motivations, our desires, our interests. This heart that God has given to us determines what we will say and why we do it. It's amazing how the heart so much gives direction to our lives. And another word for heart is passion. Now, there's certain things that you probably are passionate about, and there are other things, well, you couldn't care less. There are some things that excite you and other things that bore you. This is an expression of your heart. God has given you inborn interests. Your emotional heart reveals a very important key to understanding the intentions he has for your life. So don't ignore your natural interests. And people rarely excel at things that they don't enjoy doing. High achievers enjoy what they do. 
And then there are our abilities. These are our natural talents that you were born with. And people have a natural ability, some people with words. And perhaps you even know some people that have almost literally been born with their words coming out of their mouth. Maybe more than you wish sometimes. And yet there are other people that excel in other areas. Some people perhaps it's, uh, it's in the ability of athletics, just a natural coordination that sets them out above others. In Exodus 31 verse 3, it gives an example of how God uses people's skills, ability, and knowledge in order to accomplish his purposes. In this case, it was artistic ability that he gave to a number of people to build the tabernacle. And it's interesting to me that musical talent is not listed as a spiritual gift, but it is a natural ability that helps us to be able to worship God. And then there's personality. And it's obvious that God has not made us with a cookie cutter. He loves variety. And just take a look around at all of us. God's made introverts and extroverts. He's made people who love routine and people who love variety. He's made some people to be thinkers and some people to be feelers. Some people work best with individual assignments. Others work better in team. And God needs and uses all these kinds of personalities to balance and give flavor to the church. And your personality will impact how you use your spiritual gifts and abilities. For instance, two people may have the same gift of sharing their faith with others, one being introverted, one being extroverted, and how they may accomplish that is very different. I just think of myself, I'm actually introverted, and some people would be surprised to hear that. That's one of the reasons I carry around those little cards all the time to give to people, because sometimes I'm not quick on my feet or not sure what to say, but oftentimes a card like, for example, I am second, what is your purpose in life? A lot of people will go, they want it, but they may not have the time to talk with me and I may not sure what to say, but when they go to the website, for example, then they have the opportunity to hear how different people with all kinds of different challenges have experienced God's, God's transformational power in their lives. And then lastly, God never wastes an experience. In Romans 8, verse 8, as I've mentioned, God says that we know that in all things, he works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And there are five areas of experience that will influence the kind of ministry or service that you're best suited for. There's educational experiences. What were your favorite subjects in school? Vocational experiences. What jobs have you enjoyed and done best or well in? And then there's spiritual experiences. How have you experienced meaningful or decisive times with God in your life? And then there's what's called ministry experiences. How have you served God in the past? And then, painful experiences. What are the problems, the hurts, the trials that you have learned from? And God wants to use your shape, the good, the bad, and the ugly, to use those things in your life, in the lives of others, to shape you. And he doesn't want us to try to shape ourselves like other people. We are unique and he wants us to be shaped the way he has intended. Have you determined what your shape is? That's essential for you to know if you're going to fulfill your purpose, your destiny that God intends. Now let us listen to the testimony of Joey Shapcott as she shares with us her experience of the shape resource. 
I came to know the Lord here at Calvary when I was 35 years old. Some of you may remember our church offering a series of courses called Phases. Phase 1, Belonging, Phase 2, Growing, Phase 3, Serving, and Phase 4, Leadership. These courses provided the foundation for my spiritual growth and discipleship, and as a result, I was baptized and soon after became a member of Calvary Community. As an attendee of Calvary, I also served in various areas wherever there was an express need and as my time permitted. It felt good to be contributing because nothing was really long-term commitment. It also provided a great way to meet other people in our church. There's no faster way to get to know a person than serve with them. And I would say I was satisfied with this. When it came time to take Phase 3 serving, we were given what was called a SHAPE profile to complete. SHAPE is an acronym for Spiritual Gifts, Heart, Abilities, Personality, and Experiences. Part of the profile involved asking five fellow believers who knew me well to complete a Spiritual Gifts inventory on my behalf. As well, I completed one for myself. This was much more helpful than me just filling in my own survey because it revealed that I have biases about what I thought my own gifts might be, but I digress. I also completed the remainder of the profile and then met with Pastor Bev to review the results and receive his input. As many of you know, I had been a single parent for many years before I met Rick and we got married. That was included in the Experiences section of my SHAPE profile. Pastor Bev asked some questions about the contents of the profile and then asked me, have you ever considered volunteering in the single parents ministry, the kids and I? And I said, no, never. As strange as it sounds, you would think that was an obvious choice for me and yet it had never once crossed my mind. I met with the ministry leader for kids and I and learned that twice a month, our church provides a meal to single parents and their children. Then the children go to their age group activity while the parents stay for some kind of parent teaching. She suggested I could start in the kitchen with those who prepare the meal to get a feel for the evening and see where I might want to serve. So I arrived in the kitchen that first time and met all these wonderful people there. Roz, Vera, Natalka, Michael, many more who I'm still close with to this day. But I think I only cut half an onion before the thought came to my mind, what am I doing in here? I should be out there, meaning with the parents. So I abandoned my half-cut onion, mumbling something like, I have to go. And I never returned to the kitchen to cook, although I did always stop by to say hello to my former teammates of 10 minutes. In the Kids and I Parent Teaching Support Mentorship role, I found what I would call my sweet spot, or more correctly, God's sweet spot for me. While this role was very challenging and exhausting and occasionally frustrating, I could always sense His presence sustaining me, encouraging me, giving me His passion for the work. This role was so fulfilling and truly life-giving. I even lost count of the number of years I served. The time just seemed to melt away from me. Many years later, my husband Rick and I felt God calling us to leave Edmonton for a different purpose, and it was time to say goodbye to our church family, to all our friends, our immediate family, co-workers, the ministries we were connected to. I will never forget the night we said goodbye at Kids and I. Michelle, Dawn, Barbie, everyone else who was there will likely remember me sobbing through the entire thing. I actually get choked up still just thinking about it. No other goodbye affected me so profoundly. I was literally undone. After a few years, we returned to Edmonton and God made a way for a new sweet spot for me, that being the Freedom Session program. 
This is also a very challenging ministry, and yet it is so rewarding to participate in the growth and transformation that God can do in each one of us, participants as well as leaders, if we're willing. In God's newest sweet spot for me, I continue to experience His passion, encouragement, and strength as I serve, and I will always be grateful for the results that came from completing that initial shape profile and receiving of godly counsel. Before this, I only knew the satisfaction of serving whenever asked, being an extra pair of hands. And there's nothing wrong with that. But serving in the kids and I parent mentor role specifically, that allowed me to experience, I believe, a glimpse of the abundant life that God has said He wants for us. Looking back, the best way for me to describe it now would be to say that the experience at Kids and I took my service from black and white to technicolor. So for anyone who is uncertain where they might want to serve and desires to know what God might have in mind for them specifically, I would encourage them to prayerfully complete the shape profile for themselves, including getting four or five other believers to complete a spiritual inventory on their behalf. Then prayerfully review the results with a trusted spiritual mentor and see where God leads. Then try stuff. Trust God to direct your steps as you go. Maybe it is chopping the onions for an important kingdom meal, or maybe it's not. But God already knows, and the shape profile can be a helpful tool for you to start hearing from Him. Thank you, Joey. It was a tremendous privilege to work with her in that process and to see how it has impacted her life. And I make that same offer to each and every person here, in person, online. If you have, are not aware of your shape, we are willing to work with you to help you discover your shape, that you would be able to determine uh, God's purpose, God's plan, your destiny for yourself, and you will not regret it. Now I would like to invite my son, Stephen. Uh, he's been many years here at Calvary, and then he became a pastor in Barhead, Alberta. Uh, he's done further studies. And I've asked him to share a few thoughts about the last point today, which is determine your direction and be faithful. Stephen. Good morning. So my father asked me to share on the last point of the sermon to determine your calling and be faithful. You know, after we've discovered our shape, we have a choice of what we do with that information. We can choose to use it for our own benefit. We can choose to use it for the benefit of the church and for others, or we can choose not to use it at all. And I believe for many of us that have been in the church for a long time, that have grown up and maybe a bit older, we have some idea of our calling, some idea of our shape. But the call to be faithful is really where the crux comes in. Because you can know your shape, you can know how you're made, but if you're not faithful, well, it's just empty. I believe the call to be faithful is where the rubber meets the road. There's one thing, though, that I want you to remember about being faithful, is that the call to be faithful and the path of faithfulness looks different than success. Let me repeat that. The call to be faithful often looks different than success worldly means of success. When we determine to be faithful and we determine to follow Christ, it means we're going to be different. It means that things are going to look different. Success in the kingdom of God doesn't always look the same. See, it's easy to look at the life of Joseph and we can quickly turn it into a formula. If we do this, step A, step B, step C, then we're going to have success. We're going to be, quote, the ruler of Egypt, or we're going to be the person at my workplace, the best star on the sports team, or, you know, the most popular person at school. Kind of put whatever is important to you into there. 
The point is we can easily treat God like a vending machine. The life of Joseph can quickly become an appeal to selfishness. But we forget too quickly that Joseph's success came at an extremely high cost and it probably made little sense to him at times. We forget that Joseph didn't have, you know, he didn't have the scriptures, he didn't have evangelical thinking. He would only have had the stories of Abraham and Isaac in oral form. He did not know what we know about God today. And so if you can imagine Joseph struggling with faithfulness, if you were to have asked him when he was a slave in Potiphar's house or when he was in the prison and you say, Joseph, are you successful? Are you fulfilling the dream that God placed on your life? He would probably really struggle with that question, but he was still faithful. And when he was in the palace, he was still faithful. And I wanna pause on this because I think it's pertinent that we talk about this because of current events of the last couple of years and last couple of months. Sometimes we think when we've reached that place of success or the place where we have been faithful, that we're there. But once we've reached that place of success and we believe that we have met God's calling on our life, that is the time when our faithfulness can be tested. We don't know what the life of Joseph was like in the palace, other than we know that it would have been a good life, but we don't know the temptation that he faced. And as a ruler and being only second to Pharaoh, I can guarantee you that there would have been times where he could have done what he wanted, where he could have been unfaithful. Even when we reach that place of success through faithfulness, we need to still be faithful. We also need to realize that this, the dream that Joseph had is the dream that God gave him. This is not Joseph's selfish ambition. When God has called us, we need to be faithful to his dream for us. And his dream for us may look somewhat different than our dream for ourselves. Now, many of the dreams we have do come from God and they were given to us, but we need to exercise wisdom and ask, what does it mean to be faithful? Faithfulness does not always look like success. Faithfulness to follow God and what he has given you will cost. And I'm sure Joseph's faith wavered at times in the prison, times of doubt and wrestling with God. God, where are you? Why aren't you helping me? Sometimes we think if we're faithful that things will always work out. But being faithful means paying the cost. When we determine our direction, it is vital that we stay faithful and continue to seek Jesus. The call to be faithful, hear me, looks different than success often. We need to remember as Christians, as Christ followers, we follow Jesus. And who is Jesus? Jesus is a crucified and resurrected Messiah. If I were in the first century to proclaim that I follow a crucified and resurrected Messiah, people would look at me like I am insane. A Messiah was supposed to free the Jews. He was supposed to conquer their enemies. And you're telling me you follow a crucified Messiah? Rome crucifies people that claim to be Messiah. But yet this was the call of Jesus to be faithful to the call of the cross. His sacrificial life, death, and resurrection brings about a victory. It brings about the greatest success, but that success would have not been considered success to the Jewish people, to the Roman rulers. But this is a picture of faithfulness for us, picture of the cross. And not all our crosses, our cross is not Jesus' cross, but we are to follow him in a life of faithfulness, a life that often means 
forms of laying our lives down. I think a picture of faithfulness in the dark times, I think of the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26, 36 to 42. Then Jesus came to them with, to a place called Gethsemane and he told his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little further, he fell face down and prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not this I will, but as you will. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. He asked Peter, so couldn't you stay awake with me for one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you will not enter temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. If you know your shape, if you know your calling, faithfulness will be the crux I can know what God has created me for. I can be aware of his plans for me. But if I choose not to follow him, they will not come to pass. Some of you know a little bit about my journey the last two years, and it's not really a place to unpack it here. But in short, I want to say that these last two years of my life, I've met with extreme brokenness, despair, sadness, depression. And I've seen the dark and ugly side of life that brings immense pain. And I have had times of immense confusion and questioning, God, why is this happening? I don't understand. What is your plan? I don't see you in this. Where are you? In our lives, we will have these times. There have been times where I have doubted my call to pastor, doubted my call to preach, but yet I still feel the call to be faithful, even as I am unsure what that will look like. I am not sure what faithfulness will look like for you. I don't know the dreams and desires God has placed in your heart, but if they are his dreams and his calling, there will be times when it costs. And I'm not saying that we're all going to go through horrible times or that there's always going to be the prison, but there are times in following Christ in which our faithfulness will be tested. And there are times when we will face rejection. You know, as as I've gone on and tried to seek God, and to follow him in his path for me, I've had to choose to be vulnerable, to say, God, I don't know how you're gonna bring me back into pastoral ministry. I don't know how you're gonna help these things to happen, but I'm gonna choose to follow you. I'm gonna choose to be vulnerable. I'm going to choose to lay down my rights and to follow you. No one would have blamed me with what I've gone through the last two years if I would have decided not to follow in ministry, if I would have just decided to do another career. But that would me saying, I'm going to choose what I want. God, I'm going to reject your dream for me and I'm going to choose something else. The call to be faithful will often look different than success to the world. Doesn't always look different, but often it will. Joseph's life through the prison and through slavery, through being disowned by his family, by his brothers, through that loss, would have looked like failure, would have looked like, where are you, God? But he was still faithful. Now, I was blessed uh, five or six years ago. I had the opportunity to attend a conference in the States. Uh, It was at this big megachurch in Arizona. 
And the conference was all about how do we have success? Um, how do we grow our churches? How do we have bigger numbers? And I often, I found this difficult because this type of thinking kind of mirrors a capitalistic and Western way of thinking that is not indicative of the way of the cross. It does not mirror Jesus. And I'm not suggesting that God is against megachurches or, or growing or reaching lots of people. Those are all good things. But sometimes success becomes the idol and we begin to chase success rather than God. We chase an image rather than Christ. And I remember struggling with this throughout this conference and just being so frustrated because I just think we're missing the boat. And then one of the keynote speakers of the conference came up and many of you would know who he is. His name was Jensen Franklin. And he said something that I found so profound at that time. He said, in the midst of pastors, humans' desires for recognition and success, God is not so much concerned with your success as he is with your faithfulness. We are called to be people who are faithful to the dream and calling, have, dream and calling that God has on our lives, but that's not always going to look like the success of the world. Sometimes it will, but sometimes it won't. And that path is going to be hard at times because it requires us to pick up our cross and follow Jesus in that calling and dream he has for us. These things go hand in hand. They are not separate from one another. Our ultimate hope, our faith, our dreams is that we will be with Christ. And this is worth pursuing. And faithfulness is what will ultimately count. God has gifted and shaped each one of you for a purpose, for a dream. And in this pursuit of what God has called you to be, let us be faithful and realize as we follow God in faithfulness that sometimes this success that we're looking for will look different than the success of the world. Now, for those of us who do enjoy what we would say is success or power is not for ourselves. It is not just so that we can be happy, but rather we are called to be a blessing in closing, the true story of Joseph is an individual who follows the call of God through temptation, trial, loss, emptiness, and despair, but not ultimately for his own sake, but for the sake of Israel, for the sake of Egypt and the surrounding nations. Our dreams and our callings are given to us by God, and they're not solely for ourselves, but for the love and the glory of God to be poured out upon the earth. And this requires us to be willing to be faithful faithful in the prison, faithful in the difficulties. Let us be like Joseph, people who are faithful to the call and dreams of God that he has placed upon us to be a blessing to the world. Thank you, Stephen, for sharing those thoughts. And one last time, I'd like you to say with me, there we are. God has a, let's say it together, God has a purpose for my life. I certainly hope you believe that. So as we come to the end of today's uh, presentation, can you say that you know your purpose for life? And if so, are you living it? If not, and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I invite you to participate by taking the shape profile to discover what your purpose in life is, what your destiny that God has intended so that you may live the life you've been given to the full. And if you don't know your purpose in life and you're not living it because you've not yet, not yet asked God into your life, I would invite you to do so today, that you can discover your destiny, your purpose, God's plan, 
and reason for your life. Now to do that, you can talk to God. You could pray a short prayer along with me if you wish, asking him to come into your life. And if you wish, you can say this after me. God, today I realize I do not know the purpose for my life. I want to know it and live my life with purpose. I need you to come into my life and change me from the inside out. I'm not sure how to begin, but I ask you to do this so that I too can begin this journey to my destiny. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer today, I would encourage you to text LIFE at 587-323-1199 and we'll reply to, uh, to you with next steps on your spiritual journey. In conclusion, I would ask you each and everyone to consider what has been shared with you today and to take that and to apply that to your life that you indeed may fulfill God's plans and purposes for your life. If you have any questions, any comments with regards to the sermon or the series or anything else, uh, you're most welcome to get in contact with us here at Calvary Community Church. And so we thank you for joining us online and in person here today. For those of you online, you can contact us through our Calvary Community Church Facebook page or at calvarycommunity.ca backslash live. And if you have a prayer request, uh, you can do that through that. As we close, I would ask you to stand with me and let us pray together. We want to say thank you, O Lord, that you do have a plan and purpose which, if we so choose, can embrace to discover the destiny that you have for each of us. O Lord, we know that to choose that will not be easy. There will be consequences, but there will also be rewards. There will also be encouragements. There will also be success, not according necessarily to our world, but according to you. Because you, you, O Lord, have the big picture for all of us and for each of us. So I would pray for everyone here, everyone online, everyone who's going to watch this video at some point, that we would make the choice to discover how you shaped us, and what you want to do in us and through us to accomplish the destiny, the purpose that you have for us and through us. We say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you need anything, don't hesitate to contact us. You can find more information on our website or on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. We'll see you again soon.